Welcome to Season 2 of A New Voice of Freedom. The podcasts are taken from the four volumes In Defense of Christianity, written by Ronald Keith Messer. Podcast 72 is entitled, Why the Fall Was Necessary. Mortality is the price we must pay to enjoy immortality. We came to earth to learn how to distinguish good from evil and to learn the law of opposition. At the core of everything is freedom. We had to learn how to handle freedom and power. For that we had to leave paradise and come to this world. If we cannot choose the good over the evil in an uncertain mortal environment, we cannot be trusted to choose the good over the evil in a certain immortal environment. If we cannot handle mortal or limited power, we cannot be trusted with immortal or unlimited power. Lucifer was cast out of heaven because he wanted to exercise unjust power over the children of God. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought and his angels, and prevailed not, neither was their place found any more in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil, and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world, he was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Revelation 12, 7-9 To choose good over evil, we must understand the difference between good and evil. That is why the fall of man was necessary. Among the rich foliage of the Garden of Eden, the Lord planted two very special trees. And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed, And out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight, and good for food, the tree of life also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Genesis 2, 8-9 It would have been a lot easier for all of us if God had only planted the one tree, the tree of life. Adam and Eve would have remained in the Garden of Eden forever, and there would have been no sin, no sorrow, no death, and no misery. Why then did the Lord also plant the tree of knowledge of good and evil? First, for those who blame Eve for partaking of the fruit, we must remember one thing. Adam and Eve were the only humans in the Garden of Eden. We were not there with them. We were spirits in heaven waiting to come to earth. They had physical bodies. We didn't. Job tells us, Where was thou when I laid the foundation of the earth? Declare, if thou hast understanding. Who hath laid the measure thereof, if thou knowest, or who hath stretched the line upon it? Whereupon are the foundations thereof fastened, or who laid the cornerstone thereof, when the morning stars sang together, and all the sons of God shouted for joy? Job 38, 4-7 We were those morning stars who sang together. And we were those sons of God who shouted for joy. Why did we shout for joy? We shouted for joy only because we were going down to the earth to live. However, we could not be born on earth through the lineage of Adam and Eve unless they left the Garden of Eden. The fall was necessary for their bodies to have children. One of the reasons Adam and Eve ate of the forbidden fruit is because they wanted children. As spirits, we wanted them to eat the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil because we wanted a physical body just like they had. If Eve had not eaten of the forbidden fruit, we would still be spirits in paradise. It was Eve who made it possible for us to have an earthly experience. 
Remember, Adam and Eve could not have children before the fall. They left the garden so that we could come to earth. We are greatly indebted to Adam and Eve. That, of course, doesn't answer the question. Why did God plant the tree of knowledge of good and evil? Why didn't he just create us as he did Adam and Eve and let us run naked through the Garden of Eden forever? The answer is rather shocking. The Garden of Eden was not all that great. It was a very boring place. First of all, to dispel one myth, the fall was not brought about by sexual sin. Eve has been slandered through the ages. She did not seduce Adam. Neither one of them even knew that they were naked. Moses wrote, And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and they were not ashamed. They were married, therefore the sexual union would not have been a sin. However, the reason they were not ashamed is because they had no sexual desire. Nakedness meant nothing. Sexual desire is a consequence of the fall, not the cause. Only after they ate of the fruit did they have a sexual awakening. Moses records, And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. As I said, there could have been no sin in their sexual union anyway. The Lord himself had married them. Again, Moses records, And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman, and brought her unto the man. And Moses said, This is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother, and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. Eve was referred to as Adam's wife even before the fall. However, it was an asexual union. They were like children. It created a grand paradox, didn't it? They had been commanded to multiply and replenish the earth, but before the fall, they were unable to have children because of the total absence of sexual desire. When the Lord came down after Adam and Eve had eaten the forbidden fruit, for the first time Adam and Eve hid. When the Lord asked them why they hid, they responded that it was because they were naked. The Lord asked, Who told thee that thou wast naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree, whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? That is when the blame game started. Adam blamed it on Eve, and Eve blamed it on the serpent. The Lord didn't buy it. He held them all responsible. And the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle, and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust thou shalt eat all the days of thy life. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Unto the woman he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband and he shall rule over thee. And unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it, cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. 
thorns also, and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herbs of the field. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread, till thou return unto the ground, for out of it wast thou taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. Genesis three fourteen through 19 Agency is at the core of everything God does. It explains the paradox of the Garden of Eden. Without the fall, the spirits in heaven could not have the earthly experience. Without the earthly experience, mankind could not comprehend God. Mankind could not have agency, and mankind could not become like God. However, it must be his choice. Satan is necessary for the law of agency. We must be enticed by Christ for good and enticed by Satan for evil. Otherwise, there is no agency. God set agency in motion by planting both the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil in the Garden of Eden. God forbade them to eat of the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. He had no choice. The law of justice demanded it. He explained to them the consequences. But because of the law of agency, he allowed them to make the choice. It may come as a surprise, but just as with Adam and Eve, every one of us who are the posterity of Adam and Eve chose to leave paradise and come to earth. That is why we sang together and shouted for joy. We had progressed as far as we could as spirits. We wanted to experience what it was like to have flesh and blood. We knew the dangers. All the children of God who come to earth to gain a body fought on the side of Michael against Lucifer. And the reason we fought against Lucifer is because we wanted to keep our agency. We knew that battle would continue on earth. However, we wanted to make our own decisions, and God made that possible by planting both trees rather than only one. There's a thread that runs through every aspect of our lives, and that thread is agency. God protects it even though he knew some would make very bad choices. Agency is part of the divine nature of God. Everything that God does is to help us acquire all the divine attributes that he himself possesses. In the second epistle of Peter, we learn, According to his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to your virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Peter 1, 3-8 The price, however, of coming to earth is very high. One could justifiably ask, I suppose, was the Lord just being coy? He knew, for example, when he placed the tree of knowledge of good and evil in the garden, that they would eventually eat of the fruit. It was as if he wanted them to sin. Again, the answer lies with the principle of agency. Adam and Eve were given a choice. The choice was to remain in the Garden of Eden forever in an innocent state, or to eat the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, bring about the fall, and have children, have greater freedom and agency, and have joy. The Garden of Eden had tremendous drawbacks. 
we like to consider tropical islands as paradises comparable to the Garden of Eden. The Garden of Eden was not like a tropical paradise. Adam and Eve had everything and didn't know it. They had no opposition. They had no misery, so they didn't know joy. They had no sexual desire, so they could have no family. It would have been an eternity of nothing. They would have been like robots, living one day just like the day before, for eternity. However, they were not robots. They were extraordinarily intelligent people. They knew the consequences of the fall and preferred it over the life of tedium. They wanted to have knowledge of good and evil. They wanted a family. They wanted the joys of mortality. And with their eyes wide open, they chose mortality over immortality. We must remember that Adam and Eve had been taught something very important. They knew that eating the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil would bring temporal death into the world. But they also knew that Christ would die on the cross and come forth from the tomb and bring about the resurrection. They knew that eating the forbidden fruit would bring about spiritual death, cutting them off from the presence of God. However, they also knew Christ would suffer for their sins in Gethsemane and redeem them in all their posterity, making it possible for them to return to live once again with the Father. They were not working in the dark. They knew something else. Quote, then shall the righteous shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their Father. Matthew 13.43 They had proven their valor in the war in heaven against Lucifer, but they knew that in order to have the glory of God, they had to prove their valor against Satan on earth. Every spirit who sang together and shouted for joy had that in mind. We came to earth wanting to succeed and even expecting to succeed. As spirits, we would have had glory, but we didn't have the glory of God who shone like the sun, and we wanted that glory. Glory equals light, truth, and power. Why didn't God just give them mortality without the fall? He couldn't. Justice would not allow it even though he wanted them to have the mortal experience. It required the breaking of a law. The choice had to be entirely Adam and Eve's. The fall brought temporal death and spiritual death into the world. God could not do that for them. God gave them their agency, but to have mortality, they had to make the choice themselves and pay the price. What God did, however, was simply astonishing. He offered His Son, Jesus Christ, as a sacrifice to pay for all the sins of the world upon condition of repentance. That is the only thing that preserved the agency of man. Through Christ, they could get their immortal body back through the resurrection, thus overcoming physical death. That is why Christ shed his blood on the cross of Calvary and rose from the garden tomb. They could be cleansed by the blood of Christ, thus allowing them to return to the presence of God in a perfect state. That is why Christ shed his blood in Gethsemane. He bled from every poor when he took upon himself the sins of the world. When Adam and Eve were placed in the Garden of Eden, a veil was drawn over their minds. They forgot the premortal existence. However, God visited Adam and Eve frequently in the Garden of Eden. He would have explained everything to them in the greatest of detail. They were not operating in a vacuum. They were highly intelligent beings making rational decisions. No one wanted them to eat of the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil more than we did. As mentioned earlier, we were spirits waiting to come to earth. We also wanted the mortal experience. I can just hear some spirits saying, 
What are they waiting for? Haven't they eaten the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil yet? It was never intended that they remain in the Garden of Eden forever, just as it was never intended that we remain spirits in heaven forever. It was all part of a divine plan. Of course, it created one of the greatest paradoxes ever faced. The Lord placed both the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil in the garden so they would have a choice. That is the only way Adam and Eve could have had agency. If the tree of knowledge of good and evil had not been planted there, they would have had no choice, no agency, no fall, no children, no joy, and no progression. It would have been an intolerable situation for intelligent beings. On the one hand, they could have been children playing in the Garden of Eden forever. On the other hand, to become like Christ, they had to take upon themselves all the attributes of Christ. To do that, they had to have a great awakening. They had to be able to discern between good and evil and have the agency to choose the one or the other. Eternal progression could come in no other way. How, for example, can you forgive if you have no idea what to forgive means? How can you show charity, the greatest virtue of all, unless you know what charity is? In the garden, they could have lived in the presence of Christ forever without ever understanding Christ. It was necessary to have a knowledge of good and evil. Eve was a courageous, brilliant, and forceful woman who made a calculated decision. Earth is a testing ground. We are on probation. Here we have agency to choose the good or the evil, to follow Christ or to follow Satan. On earth, we can observe or experience the consequences of both. In a way, we could look at earth as a university where God sends us to gain an education in temporal and spiritual laws. Those who graduate with honors will return to live with Him. Those who fail will reap the consequences of their own choices. In Hosea we read, For they have sown the wind, and they shall reap the whirlwind. Those who died in willful ignorance will remain in willful ignorance of spiritual things. How can we remotely understand Christ if we don't know what sacrifice means? No one can understand Christ who themselves have not made great sacrifice. We came to earth because only on earth could we learn what it is like to sacrifice everything. Those who follow Christ will be entrusted with more power after this life until they have all power. Those who seek truth in this life will be given more truth in the next until they have all truth. Those who follow Satan will not be entrusted with knowledge or power after this life. All power is attained through obedience to law. Just as obeying temporal laws gives us temporal power, obeying spiritual laws gives us spiritual power. If we do not obey the laws of nature, we cannot have the power of nature. If we do not obey the laws of God, we cannot have the power of God. Immortality, power is one of the great temptations. Both evil people and good people may gain great power, and with that power they may do good or evil. It is not so above. In the hereafter, God will not allow evil people to exercise power over good people. Unlimited power will only be given to those who, on earth, prove to God that they can manage limited power wisely and use it only to do good. That is why only the meek shall inherit the earth when Christ comes. That is why the kingdom of God can never fall, and evil, chaos, and disorder can never win the cosmic battle between good and evil. Thank you for listening. Watch for our next podcast. In Defense of Christianity 
is available at RonaldMesser.com.